0: welcome back i am uh very excited right now but also uh, I, honestly Callie, if you're listening dude i hope you feel better uh i did have a guest lined up but she now has meningitis so dude seriously uh feel better we'll have you back don't worry i i, I want you on the show <gasps> but y'all uh it's gonna be me and you tonight just me and you my favorite person in the world you listening right now unless you're sitting in the car with somebody else in which case both of you are don't worry about anybody else just you maybe you two or three hi So y'all, um, this is something like, I'm kind of winging this one, but also like, I'm really not winging this one because this is something that I've thought about. I mean, pretty much every day for the last, let's say like 18 years. Okay. (laughs) It's ridiculous, but it's true. Um, I started smoking. Uh, in fact, let me give you a little backstory of even why I'm doing this right now, because uh, uh, apparently friend of the show, uh, Lisa, thank you for listening. I didn't know you did, but Lisa is a newer friend of mine. I'm not gonna say your last name because whatever. see, Your privacy is up to you. Friend of mine that I've met relatively recently uh, has been listening, I guess. So again, seriously, thank you. But uh, questioned me, texted me the other day. Was like, hey, I didn't know you smoked cigarettes, and I, I think uh, we've we've made some jokes on the last few episodes about uh, the catch-all term that is cigarettes. So she made a few uh, references. Was like, oh, so are you just joking? Like, you know, you mean other stuff? And. I mean, like other stuff exists. I, I I can't pretend that I didn't uh, that I don't know about other stuff. But no, cigarettes. Uh, I, I started smoking when I was about nineteen years old. It's two thousand five. The year was two thousand five, and I smoked all day, every day. You know, for about eighteen years ish. You know, give or take, till so probably about the year twenty twenty. I'm guessing, give or take. So I mean, you know, fifteen years or more. And what's ridiculous is that even though I did quit years ago, it's still something that I think about often. Uh, I mean, it, it, entirely too often, sadly, but it's just something like, it, I mean, for anybody out there that smokes or used to smoke, you know, but for anybody out there that doesn't, it is just, it, it is you almost, after a while, you start to fit your life around cigarettes where at first, and I mean, just go on this ride with me here, guys. Uh, for those of you that don't smoke, you can enjoy the, <laughs> the not having the addiction <laughs> that I had, but for those of you that do, maybe you can find some, you know, uh, maybe we can bond over this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's know what I mean. I started cause it was, you know, just kind of something to do. And admittedly, I, I hate admitting this, but it looked cool. I hate admitting that so much. But as a, as a college kid walking around campus, the, the kids that were like outside the building, smoking cigarettes, they were like, they looked cool to me. Like, I hate this. I, I admit this is ridiculous, but I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth, man. This, we're just going to, we're just going to be honest here. It was something that I did at first simply for the look. Simply for the vanity of it. I didn't even inhale at first. I would stand outside of, you know, buildings at Baylor university <laughs> or wherever I happened to be. But, you know, I started on campus and with the other cigarette smokers, we would stand there and I would just fake it. I would just stand there to look cool. That's <laughs> so friggin' embarrassing. Like if I was capable of embarrassment, that would certainly be top of the list <laughs> of things that I've done that are embarrassing, but I don't actually give a shit. So whatever. <sighs> I would just fake it. I would just stand there and look cool. But one day uh, I was walking across campus. And this is, again, totally true. 100% true story. As I would leave, I had a music class. It was on the one side of campus. And then I had a science class. It was on the other side. And Baylor had just gotten a brand new science building, a uh, brand new science lab facility thing. And it was on the other side of campus because there was just space over there or whatever. So as I would walk across, I knew that there was a girl that I thought was cute. <laughs> it's a true story. Girl that I thought was cute. Uh, that I talked to a handful of times we, we had met once or something at a party or whatever the heck it was doesn't matter, but I knew that she would be standing uh, outside of her classroom, which was the building right next to or right in front of whatever the science building so I would light a cigarette purposefully about. 30 seconds to a minute before I would see her so that she would see me with a cigarette because apparently 19 year old me thought that I would just like by smoking, I would impress her into a date. Like didn't, like, I don't, like I did, I would barely give her like a head nod. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't interact. I wouldn't actually like, I would just think that I guess by, by walking by looking cool in my, you know, in my thrice t-shirt or my less than Jake hoodie with a cigarette. (laughs) Apparently that was enough to make this girl like me, which, uh, you know, spoilers, she doesn't, never did, we'd never talked or dated or ever, but I I just had it in my mind. I was convinced as long as I walked by having a cigarette, she was going to think I'm cool. Well, one day, uh, she said something to me. I said something back, just like a quick pleasantry, just, Hey, how you doing good? All right, cool. Yeah. See you later. Okay. Bye. But during that little interaction, uh, I must have taken my first real drag or inhaled the first real bit of a cigarette. And, you know, I, I didn't realize it until I kept walking. I got to the building. And as I opened the door, I felt for the first time, the cigarette buzz. And that's when I realized like, Oh, this is why people do this. This does. And I mean, look, if anybody, if any kids are listening, don't start smoking. That's it's possibly the stupidest thing you could do. Like not even kidding. It's quite possibly the stupidest. It's very easily. One of the worst choices you can make in life. I mean, very easily. There are so few positives to it. Anyways, so I felt this buzz for the first time. I disclaimer, just don't fucking, just don't. Like, obviously, I mean, I did, don't do it. But I felt the first buzz ever. And I actually skipped class that day because I walked right back outside and I inhaled for the first time because you know I don't know how many breaths or puffs I took while while trying to, to sort of flirt and impress this girl so <laughs> you know it wasn't very many I'm guessing so I went back outside genuinely skipped class and just had a cigarette and I couldn't move like I I sat on a bench outside of the outside of the medical science facility awesome well done somebody inside is literally researching how to cure cancer and I'm giving it to myself moron don't smoke but i'm sitting out there and i am floored i can't stand up the buzz is it's heavy yet it's also like i feel like i weigh less but i also feel like i don't want to move like it was and like i'm just gonna be honest it was amazing i skipped class i walked home i had like two or three more on the walk it was amazing i was like oh my god these things cigarettes are awesome. Like cigarettes are amazing. I had no idea uh, apparently. And 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 this is the thing, I knew at the time. I knew at the time they were bad. Everybody knew at the time. I mean, it's, it's the early 2000s. There was no more mystery about our cigarettes good or bad for you. Everyone was well aware they were terrible for you. But I did it anyways because again, it felt awesome. Like it's so silly but it's awesome. And at the time it was me and another buddy that I, I guess the other guy was always a regular smoker, but I wasn't until right this moment. And now he and I, that's just what we would do. We would just sit outside his apartment uh, because I was still rooming with people who didn't smoke. And it it, technically as a, as a Christian at Baylor, I was trying to hide it at first, except for the girls I was trying to oppress. What a weird dichotomy that is. It's foolish. But me and my buddy, we would just sit out and smoke, and that became our activity. And that became basically what we did almost every night. I mean, pretty much every night. and I very quickly developed a habit. And then suddenly I would I would smoke like between just about every class. And then you would smoke after every meal. And then I would have a cigarette on the way to class and then I would have a cigarette right before bed. And then like, besides the fact that I smelled terrible, I was quickly and without really realizing, I was developing quite a habit. And at the time, me and my buddy, we both said, and I've said this before, but whatever, bears repeating. We both said and genuinely believed that we were going to quit. Like we knew we were, we were freshmen in college, might have been sophomore year by the time, whatever. We were, you know, 19 years old. And we were like, no, we're not going to smoke. Like I'm not going to be smoking forever. Obviously, we're going to quit this before we graduate. And that was a genuine belief I held until senior year came. <laughs> Actually, let's do this for a second, uh, because this is just a disgusting detail about my life, but it's just true. It's not that disgusting, but it's kind of gross. Uh, I went overseas for a bit. Uh, I've talked about that once or twice before. I did a study abroad program in the Netherlands uh, via Baylor Baptist University, which is a very weird thing. But that's th- those details we can get to later. But point is, everybody in the Netherlands smokes, or at least they did in the year 2007, and seven, eight seven whatever it was at least they did then everybody everywhere smoking indoors restaurants bars i mean every you can you just smoke it was fine and i would smoke so much during this period that uh i I mean lord knows what i smelled like but the reason i say this and this is again if i was if i was capable of shame i probably wouldn't even have a podcast because all i do talk about this ridiculous nonsense but i didn't god i didn't wash my clothes for like four months the entirety of the time that I was overseas, I didn't wash my clothes. I might have said this before, but whatever. Bears repeating. All I did was just smoke. And since I smelled like cigarettes and everywhere indoors smelled like cigarettes and everybody else smelled like cigarettes, nobody realized that I hadn't done laundry in months because, you know, sweat and BO is overridden by cigarettes. And that is absurd because I'm here to tell you that I didn't even notice it. Like, I didn't even notice the smell. And that's true of I could I can assure you 90% of cigarette smokers, if not 100% you become nose blind which is true of everything it was it was also true of like as a parent you would almost become nose blind of like you change dirty diapers and you put them in those for non-parents they have little like disposable or little places to dispose diapers they're called diaper genies it's like a plastic tube with like an air sight, airtight seal but that airtight seal lasts like a week and then it doesn't work anymore but you, as a parent you would kind of get nose blind to it until someone else would come over and be like what is it like oh yeah you're right i haven't taken that out in three days my bad well imagine i haven't done laundry in like four days my bad cigarettes covers all of it <laughs> it just does i, I became i became noseblind to it but here's the crux of when I first tried to quit many, many years ago, the issue, I mean, besides the fact that obviously it's an addictive thing, it's a chemical, I mean, there's a chemical addiction, literally, but besides that, I'm not a scientist, I'm not going to talk about that, you know, whatever, the moment, just the, the moment of stepping outside for a cigarette, I, to this day, miss that, Like, it's like a mini adventure of sorts. Like if you're at a, if you're at an office building with coworkers and, you know, you and three others or however many others you all smoke, the five to 10 minutes before a cigarette break is like, you, you get like anxious anticipation. It's like fun. It's like a good anxious anticipation. Like, oh man, I can't wait two o'clock every day. Me and Steve and, you know, Joanne, we all go out, we all go out and have cigarettes. I can't wait. I can't wait. So that 10 minute buildup is awesome. And then the walk down or out or, I mean, in this particular case, I'm talking about when I worked at Health and Human Services for the state of Texas. And it was me and plenty of people smoked. But on my floor is an older dude named Jim, was an Army veteran, older dude named Tim, also an Army veteran, and then Joanne. And I liked them and they liked me. And and we made friends simply because of the fact that we smoked. And at first, I would just randomly see them out at the, the, you know, the smoker's spot. But eventually we started to like link up or sync up our times. We're like, all right, so 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, two o'clock. See you guys there? Yeah. So you get absolutely awesome. And that became fun. There's a little mini adventures as we would walk to the, to the elevators. Cause we were on like the fifth or sixth floor or whatever it was. And then we'd go down the elevator the whole time, excited and just, you know, just chatting it up. And like, there is a, there is a little adventure and there's almost like a little mystery of like, Ooh, what's going to happen this time. I don't know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen this time? The same fucking thing that happened last time. It's the exact same thing. Nothing ever changes. It's literally the exact same. But the point is, I was enjoying the moment. You enjoy this little moment, a little mystery, a little unknown of, oh, I wonder what's going to happen this time. Nothing different. Nothing different ever. It's always the same, always. But it's this fun little 20 minute, you know, little excursion. You all get to take a break together and just go somewhere else it's a reset. It's a mental reset so much though that I've tried to replicate it lately. I mean, and the amount of times that that my wife and I get to go downtown with friends without our kids is like once a year, (laughs) but we did it once last year and we just did it recently again. And I fake a cigarette break. I just go outside. I stare off into the distance for like 10, 15 minutes, breathe super duper deep just to try to simulate that or just to try to replicate that because it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just that even the moment is addicting, just the like, and, and I realized this, I, I realized that I became the person that, that wanted to leave early or quickly, or, or I wouldn't let a moment last very long because I had conditioned myself to go for a cigarette, which at first was truly the nicotine at first was truly the the chemical addiction, the the need to, to add or, or or replace the Oh shoot, whatever chemical it is, I forget what it is now. You replace dopamine or is it it's not dopamine now with cigarettes doesn't matter. Point is I I needed that chemical release. I needed that. It's not a high, but I needed the buzz. I needed it. I mean, I I can't deny it. At first it was that. But even I mean, I've I'm almost four years off of cigarettes now, three and a half, I think, because it was like late 2019. I don't know, it doesn't matter. I'm no longer addicted to the chemical. I no longer, thankfully, thankfully, no longer need that. But what I miss and what I what I do need is like 15 minutes alone, <laughs> just 15 minutes away from whatever it is we're doing. And then I'll come back. Like I will, I, I, I have to admit that I, I miss just leaving whatever the activity is, be it on my own or with a, a smaller group uh, say there's 10 people inside then me and three others walk out and then we come back in 15 minutes and we can restart and then join back in and continue the activity. But the activity itself, I, developed a need to pause it became more than the chemical it became a mental thing it became a just a a just for my own personal sanity i had developed an addiction i developed a routine i suppose because you can't be addicted to to outsource or maybe you can't just be addicted to outside the point is i developed a routine and like even movies became difficult to sit through because you know you'd, you'd have a cigarette right before you walk in and then hope that would last you but if it's a longer movie after like 90 minutes you need a cigarette and now i've found myself conditioned that after 90 minutes of doing anything i just want to stop it's ju- it is just a routine that i have played or that i've i've just pushed into my mind that i honestly can't <laughs> i can't get around I, st- I still to this day years on i have not conquered the mental need to just step outside <laughs> so let's fast forward we're now in the modern day i i've quit uh many years ago but uh but and this is (laughs) y'all it's about to get a little raw i hadn't actually planned on i mean i hadn't planned any of this episode but this is gonna get a little real so uh go with me but here's the deal the last few years and not even years but probably the last eight months or so um my chest has been hurting like a lot um It always hurts after, after chest day at the gym, which, you know, tucking a bench press, 35 sets and 9,000 pounds, 46 times. You know what I'm saying? Each rep is, is with alligators biting at my feet while I fight them off and I still bench press anyways. But when I go to the gym, uh, if I do any type of bench press or, or tricep press or anything involving upper body pushing my, my chest hurts a lot. Um, like a lot, lot. And if I, uh, if I do anything else, uh, 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 lungs related, uh, my chest hurts a lot, a lot, lot. So I have quit smoking anything. I haven't smoked a thing, uh, in almost a year. I mean, literally almost a year. And I really started cutting back on the other stuff too, but you know, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you get the joke. The point is I genuinely don't smoke anymore. I can't, uh, anything doesn't matter. I don't, I don't, I won't do it because my chest starts to hurt. And, and after going to the gym, my chest starts to hurt. And if, if I, after swimming, Uh, after swimming my chest. And so I'm not gonna lie, I got I've been really scared. (laughs) Um, The last few months, I've been really, really scared that I thought I had done irreparable damage to my lungs via smoking. Because at the height, at the peak of my of my ridiculous addiction to these terrible, terrible smelling, terrible, awful things, I was hand rolling cigarettes and smoking, I don't even know how many a day, far more than 20. So more than a pack, but not even filtered, unfiltered, terribleness straight to my lungs let's say 30 times a day or more and now i'm i'm in my late 30s and i'm realizing that i really might even though i quit years ago this is now you know i quit years ago i'm i'm genuinely worried that i'm gonna die y'all like i am panicked so uh, about two weeks ago this is 100 true two weeks ago i go to the doctor and uh, i don't have a, a primary care physician yet in uh, in in denver so i go and i just i they were like you know i, I was like look i just want to get checked out and I'm like who's your primary care it's like i don't have one like we got to do that first so it was like literally a three-month wait for me to get to a primary care position because i'm not gonna go to the er because i don't know i'm not gonna throw three thousand dollars to this in hindsight like i can't believe i didn't but you know what i mean go with me <gasps> i get there and they randomly assigned me a doctor. I'm not going to say this man's name. Uh, it wouldn't matter if it's a man or a woman. You know that. I, I, why would I? Why, why did I feel the need to tell you that? Why did I feel the need to try to explain away sexism? Like, fucking anyways. But it's true. Fuck sexism. Could have been a man or a woman. This doctor happens to be a D.O., he calls himself. I think it was a D.O. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't really care. But we start talking. We get you know, he tests test me. You know, do the height and weight and blood and all the things, and d- checks my pulse and all the thing. And then he gets to the point where he's like, "Well, did you got any questions?" I'm like, all right, so I do have a question. I was like, Here, you know, I told him the whole thing. I was like, "Dude, my chest hurts. If I go to the gym, if I swim, if I'm hungover, uh, yada yada yada, my chest hurts." And he's like, and so he starts. He, he gets serious, and we both like, I'm really like this moment is so fucking tense, you guys. I cannot possibly put into words how sobering this moment is. I mean, I'm sitting there sober, but you know what I mean. It's it is real, man. I'm staring at a human who's staring back at me. He just met me, and now after I told him all these things, he and I now both think I'm dying. And I'm I'm looking at a man I've never met as he tries to console me, and then he starts asking me a bunch of questions. I said, "Well, so do your arms tingle?" I'm like, no. And so he does. Uh, he you know starts typing, typing in a thing. He goes back. and says, "So do you ever feel it up into your chin? Is there ever a loss, uh, a shortness of breath?" Is there ever a nauseating feeling associated with it? And I'm like, well, no, I mean, I, honestly, like, no, I don't get, thankfully, I don't get any of that. And he goes, oh, it's probably your ribs. I was like, I'm sorry, what? I was like, no, man, it's my chest. It's like upper chest. And I was like, I point, like, it's literally like, you know, whatever, but it's higher than my nipple. I was like, my, th- I pointed to him. I was like, that, that's where it hurts, like above my nipple on my chest range on the left side. And he goes, yeah, no, it's your ribs. It's like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. He goes, well, I'm a, I'm a Dio which is essentially a uh, uh a chiropractor but like i guess a good one <laughs> i don't know I, I, like he gave me some spiel i'm barely paying attention because i think i'm dying all right he gives he gives a spiel and he goes do you mind if i just like you know check you out or whatever so he puts his hand on my back pretty high up the back and then he puts his hand on my chest he's got one hand on one one hand on the other he goes oh yeah you've dislocated your ribs I was like, what the fuck are you taught like first of all, I didn't know you could do that. Secondly, I would have thought that would hurt a lot worse. And third, what, how do you, what are you talking about? How would I have done that? And he was like, well, how long did it start hurting? And I was like, oh, I you know, about eight months or less than a year. He was like, well, what were you doing? You know, when it started hurting? And I was like, well, now that I think about it, the first time I remember it was when I was up in South Dakota at, uh, the f- you know, family's lake house thing on a jet ski. And he goes, were you doing jumps and shit? I was like, well, yeah, like I was being pretty stupid. And he goes, well, yeah, you probably just like cracked the handlebar into your ribs at some point and didn't realize it. And I was like, I mean, definitely did. Now that you say that, I absolutely remember it. And he goes, all right, lay down. And this guy, this guy puts his hand on my, um, uh, no, no. He tells me to, to, to cross my arms, elbows facing up, grab each shoulder, elbows facing across my arms. He puts his hand on one hand on my chest, one hand on my elbow. That's kind of like pointed half up in like a you know, pyramid fashion. He climbs up the wall. Literally, this man. I'm laying on the bed and on the you know doctory bed table thing. He climbs up the wall. His feet are now higher than his head. He is not doing a full handstand, but he's doing half of a handstand on my chest. And he goes, "Are you ready?" And I was like, "I don't." Okay. And he just like pushes real hard. He like launches himself forward and down onto me from the wall using the wall as leverage. And I hear a crack or whatever, but it was loud as shit, man. Or maybe it was louder in my own head because I'm just freaking out. But it was loud as shit. And now I feel great. The pain went away, you guys. So, so I'm not dying. Hooray! I'm not dying. <laughs> but I, seriously, you guys, I guess I, I've been walking around and lifting and whatnot on a dislocated rib or ribs for the better part of a year. At least six to eight months, if not a lot longer. Who knows? But this guy fixed it. Had, had I not randomly been assigned this person and been assigned to any other doctor that wasn't a DO or a CO, dco whatever the fuck he called himself i don't care it doesn't matter had i not been assigned to a person who was also a fancy chiropractor like there's a real good chance that i'm doing a litany of tests and all of this shit and they think i'm dying because i think i'm dying and i told them i think i'm dying like you guys <laughs> as of two weeks ago like i'm not even kidding i i genuinely got a new lease on life i don't think <laughs> like i'm still never smoking again i don't give a shit not cigarettes not anything else period i don't i don't give a shit it's not going in my lungs i'll, I'll figure another way around it you know what i mean you get what I'm saying point is I genuinely, <laughs> the last two to three weeks uh maybe two it doesn't matter I have I have been happier than I've ever been I, I at least happier that I've been a lot like I've been scared of this for a long time like I, I seriously thought I'd done irreparable permanent damage and I'm just counting down the day and now I feel great <laughs> I feel fucking great you guys so moral of that story is don't smoke you get it all right you get it but here's the thing I've told my wife this now uh, because when I came back from the doctor, I told her all about it and uh, my kids heard. I didn't mean for them to hear it uh, they, uh we thought they were, but they weren't. We thought they were upstairs watching TV. They weren't. Uh, they were just in the other room uh, on, the, on the main floor and they heard it. So now my son has questions. Why did you smoke? Why did you start smoking? Didn't you know it was unsafe? Yes. All of those things, kid. All of those things don't effing smoke. Obviously, like it's it's so, so silly. But with that said, I, I, I used that as a, as an outro to that weird story, as a way to leave you on a a a note of levity uh, on a, a very silly uh, story. So so here's the thing: uh, my kids have heard me say uh, bad language um, a lot. I try not to. I really do try not to. But for anyone out there who knows me uh, prior to this show and you've ever just had, if I have two beers, I'm cussing. It just comes out. I just it's just it it just flows fuck just becomes like a like a pause it just does i don't know why it's it's who i am it's where i'm at societally speaking if we're having a conversation i'm i'm gonna cuss now you also might be wondering if you've listened to the religious episodes when pastor stephen spencer or pastor stephen allen or when uh tanner vaughn came on like I've, I've had more religious style conversations and i do genuinely attempt to not cuss and a lot of those episodes i think i made it pretty much the entire episode uh without cussing so i can do it and i try to not do it certainly around my kids around anyone that might be offended but you know at the end of the day go fuck yourself it's a word get over it but i try not to around <laughs> my kids um my wife has only ever let one bad word slip ever in front of my children now I don't think you'll be surprised by this at all. My wife is, is a better person than me in pretty much any and all aspects of life. <laughs> She's a better parent than me. That's evident to anyone who's ever been around us or probably anyone who hasn't been around us. But this is the story of the one time, okay? <laughs> so go with me. Now, we, uh my wife and I, about a year and a half ago, got one of those uh, uh, uh Selecta Firmness mattress things. I honestly forget the brand. I would have said it. I don't know. It's Serta. No, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But with the ones where you sit down and you press a button and you can make it more firm or less firm or more of a hammock or more of a brick, you know what I mean? One of those. One of the, like, her side is a thing and my side is the other thing. It's the most bougie purchase we've ever made. It is It is over the top, pinkies out nonsense, but it's just true because she she wants to sleep on a hammock. I want to sleep on a brick. Like, that's just how it is and there's no, so before we did that, We tried one of those mail-order foam mattresses. It wasn't purple, but it was like purple. You know, there's Sir Casper. I mean, there's so many brands. I forget which one it was. It doesn't matter. But it was one of all of them. And it had a firm side and a soft side. So we got that thinking like, you know, every now and again, we can just rotate. Well, it turns out, you know, I'm way too lazy to ever rotate. So we just slept on a very soft mattress, which is great for my wife. And that's fine. And I just grinned and bare it for a, a while until one weekend she was gone. And I flipped it. And I mean I it wasn't even like I wasn't trying to be like sneaky or mean or anything, but I flipped it and I just forgot to tell her when she got home and she had a horrible night's sleep. And she woke up and she's like, Man, I just slept like shit. And I was like, Oh yeah, I flipped the mattress. Sorry, we can flip it back. And that's when she was said something like, Well, wait, is this how you sleep on the other side? And I was like, I mean, yeah, like I I sleep really poorly on that kind of shit. So that's when we finally decided to get the, the other mattress. So now we have this extra, you know, foam, whatever Casper purple mattress thing. Now, these things for anyone who might not know. If you order a, a foam mattress, it comes on, it, you know, they mail it to you and it comes in a box. It's like a fourth of the size of the full mattress. Once you open it up and, and, you know, unwrap all the stuff and things, uh, then it opens up and it really like, you know, just grows, I guess, or the foam extends or, you know, pick up whatever it is, but that's like kind of what it does. Like it, it gets bigger over time and just slowly expands. And after like two days, it's ready. Then you sleep on it. We are trying to now put this extra mattress under my son's bed. My son has a full-size bed. This is a a full-size mattress, so it works out, it's perfect. It works. So we're trying to force it under his bed frame. Well, his bed frame is just like I mean literally 3 inches too skinny or just it's not it's it's not it needs to be wider by like 3 inches, probably less, literally probably less. It is the tiniest of margin that we can't get this thing to fit up under it. So I just decide to just, I'm just going to man up. Just go muscle it. You know what I'm saying? I, I bench press 9,000 pounds and fight alligators at the same time. You know, I can do it. I can do it. So I'm pushing and I'm struggling, man. I, I a lot of cussing coming out. The kids are downstairs. Thankfully, kids are downstairs. A lot of mumble cussing coming out as I'm trying to shove this thing underneath it. My wife hears me. She comes in. So she starts to help. So now we're both. We're just grunting and struggling and <laughs> you know what I mean. Heave ho. Heave ho. My daughter walks in. And innocently asks, she's just being nice, she just asks if we can go to the park. No, not right now, sweetie, we love you, but we'll do it soon. She leaves. Wife and I go back, another two minutes of grunting and groaning and heave-ho and pushing. Daughter comes in again. When can we go to the park? Hey, sweetie, my angel, my love, my heart, my corazón. Just wait, we're going soon, I promise. She leaves. My wife and I back to grunt cut <laughs> Push it, heave it, hoe it. Emory comes back in a third time, and we are literally sweating at this point. My wife and I are sweating. Emery comes in again. She starts to ask, when can we go? And my wife snaps. She goes, we have to finish this first before we go to the goddamn park, okay? Emery, <laughs> sweet little angel, she looks up at us, and she goes, oh, okay, but but I don't want to go to the goddamn park. Mommy, can we go to the regular park with the swings? (laughs) So of course we burst out laughing. You know, we realized that we're not going to get this mattress under the bed. That that's the, that is the appropriate finishing moment to this. (laughs) So, so we just take the mattress to the garage. We put it up on eBay or something or Craigslist or whatever. Get rid of that shit. We take the kids to the park. so, Thanks for listening you guys. This was kind of a random one. I know it was kind of all over the place <laughs> between uh, cigarettes and I think I'm dying to mattress stories, but, uh, but seriously, if you've made it, you know, 30 minutes into this uh, on an absolute whim, thank you. I can't, I cannot possibly say that enough. I-, I-, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. I love you.